Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. The Around the NFL Podcast. Jessica. <laughs> oh, <laughs> suitably creepy. From the Chris Wessling Podcast Studio. <laughs> It's around the NFL. I'm Dan Hansis. I got heroes here. Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler. It is the day after ATN homecoming from Hollywood. The live show sold out. An incredible evening uh, with fans from throughout America. And that was, to me, at the end of it, boys, the biggest takeaway and what was kind of the coolest thing about that event. That blew me away. There were listeners from Alaska. New York, Chicago, Bay Area, Portland, DC, Indiana, like the LA uh, listeners, I almost were sheepish, being like, "Yeah, I just drove from Pasadena." It's like, but don't apologize for that. I I was, I was amazed by it. No, I I just expected it to be like a seventy-eight percent like LA crowd, maybe maybe a smattering of you know additional. Places of origin, but they, I, it was incredible. It was like one person after the <laughs> next, like origin. flew in from all over the place. And like I, it, we are like the one thing with about this show because we, you know, we'd like to go out and talk to them for a while afterwards, and that goes on for a while. I wish we could just give them more time sometimes because it's like there's just not enough. Like mm. they con- they put so much effort into coming to the show, and it was a fever dream, and it was maybe a planning snafu to have this show occur hours later, but that we just keep rolling. Apparently, we did, uh, or I should say, I old Zeuser deserves a little tugboat credit on this one. I reached out to Drew, nine foot six, two forty, mm. uh, all muscle. It's a Dan Hansis shout out, and said we got to push back this Thursday taping. Yeah, smart by you. And as you could tell th- from my voice, mm. we needed a couple extra hours. The um, yeah. the experience though of the live show, I think, was highlighted really in uh, the money drop alluded to it here by the solo dance performance between Jessica and Justin Graver on the stage. One of um, the most Awkward and <laughs> painful and delightful uh, moments I can remember. Grave digger, awesome work out there. How how was that for you? Thanks. No, it was it was awesome to be able to share that moment with 
Jessica, whom I love. <laughs> it was the best part was that uh, you know Justin, as the producer, will do various mechanics in terms of how long things will be. Right. And um, once we cleared the stage for them to dance to "Careless Whisper," the Wham classi- classic, um, there was like a two-minute thirty-second cut that Justin had a super cut. And um, two oh three, two oh three, and like again, I had to go and hit the space bar to pause it, just because like I knew like it had reached what it needed to be. Yeah, and I didn't want to start making everyone uncomfortable. And then Jessica, so that was way too late for that. Yeah, Jessica <laughs> backstage after the show is like, "We had a dip planned. You didn't let me do my dip." <laughs> That's I mean, they're a, they're a, that's Giselle. Yeah. That's Mark imitating yeah, Giselle. Yeah, that's not her. They're, they're a wonderful couple, but there are some stagecraft elements involved, and I think pressing yeah. the space bar might have been yeah. apt at that point. Yeah. Although I would have liked to see the dip. I think we all No, it's to. fine. We learned yeah. our lesson. Next live show, I'll, I'll make a one-minute cut of the song. Okay, so. there, there you go. go. Yeah, Every live good. show will feature a slow dance on the stage for Gravedigger and his lovely gf um anyway thank you to everybody for coming out uh lakeisha was there too it was amazing we brought her up on stage and we talked about chris at the end of the show so a special night and as i said at the beginning of that show um you know it does make you like kind of reflect a little bit about um how we all ended up here and you know the famous kind of hollywood dream people come from all over the country and the world to hollywood to make it we didn't come to make it as actors we didn't come to get into entertainment and end up on stages and doing shows for people where Jason Zumwalt's up on top of stairs playing God. Yeah. It just kind of happened that way. But we all did come here to, to achieve something and strive to, to be better in terms of building our career. And that was kind of a really nice I, I payoff. I did find it odd. At one point I was thinking like our first role for Dan and I, at least at the NFL were three day a week, anonymous editors, just, you know, cutting up copy. And it's like, Ten years later, we're doing like a, vari- a 19, mid-1970s variety show where it's a lot of song and dance. I'm like, I wasn't trained to do this. Yeah, like, we were just smoking cigarettes and uh, drinking rye the entire show. Totally bizarre. <laughs> um, all right. Awesome. But we got a lot to get to. Because a lot of people are like, we don't care. We they don't, don't live care there. No. We don't, we're not going to see you guys. Yes. We're playing Stop the long game here. We're, we're building up anticipation <laughs> for the next Move one. eyeballs away from Naval. We shall. <laughs> Each other's navels. And uh, turn our attention to the greatest round of football all season. Divisional round weekend. We have an unbelievable slate of games. We're going to get to all uh, four games. 32 teams. And uh, there's only eight that remain. Eight, two, it's four games to talk about. So let's do it. We got a we got a friend from overseas actually is going to join us at halftime. We got some league news to get to as well as teams teams that aren't quite ready to fire their head coach, but they got to do something. That something means other people lose their jobs on the staff. So we'll get to that. Fall guy. Only five head coaching changes if if we've reached the end of that. But you know it's funny because it's all obviously connected. Doesn't it feel like we have more churn in the coordinator ranks this year? Yeah, everyone needs a coordinator right now. Yeah. All right, let's get to the games. Let's start. With let's go in order. So let's start Saturday. Jaguars at Chiefs. Hamana, hamana, hamana. Um, Greg, obviously the Jaguars got here um, by virtue of one of the great comebacks in NFL history, down twenty-seven nothing to the Chargers, and uh, they deserve all the credit in the world. In a lot of ways, you could look at the Jaguars right now as house money. This is a, a organization in total tatters after the clown buffoon show that was Urban Meyer in the NFL. And not only did they get back off the mat, 
dust themselves off, become a competitive team, steal a division, win a playoff game that will not be forgotten. Now they go to Kansas City and even just hang with Casey would feel like it would be a victory. But maybe, maybe, Greggy, after a week, uh, weekend one of the playoffs that had a lot of chalk, things get weird. Ooh. This could be a weird spot. I agree because the Chiefs have had trouble winning convincingly against most everyone. And you could even say that was true uh, against the Jaguars when they played back in Week 13. That was the, the last game where the Chiefs didn't have to sweat out a fourth quarter. But it was also a game, if you if you watched it, that the team seemed even, and there's a couple fluky plays at the beginning, uh, turnovers and whatnot that, that go the Chiefs' way. And I think the Jags have the confidence right now that they can hang with anyone and that if they're behind in any situation, they can come back from anyone like their last five home games. Those were double digit or nine point comebacks. And some of them are 17. And these are to good teams. So I think both of these teams will feel like they can come from behind. And I look at what they do well, which is get the ball to receivers in the middle of the field, get the ball out of Trevor Lawrence's hand quickly. And I think that matches up pretty well against uh, the Chiefs. You think Nick Bolton, who's great, can cover Evan Ingram? I don't think so. I think you get it to Christian Kirk, who balled out last week, and these guys can make plays after the catch, and they're going to force the Chiefs to tackle. And I just don't know if the Chiefs are like an amazing tackling sort of sound defense. And I think you could see a lot of run after the catch, Trevor Lawrence not holding on to the ball too long. Yeah, I mean, I think also flip side, Jacksonville's defense – um, which was essential here, has stepped up over you know the last half of the season. Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, they've created the second most pressure among really any defense in the league, and I think that matters against Mahomes. Like his drop-off rate when when pressure is on him is drastic. It's the it's like the second or third most among quarterbacks when he's pressured. His performance struggles at some point. So if Jacksonville mm. can do that, now that's that's no easy task. But I mean. Trayvon Walker, Josh Allen last week and the last couple of weeks have been big impact players. And I think if you're Jacksonville, you also have that mental aspect that we got down last week. Everyone counted us out at halftime. Our quarterback had an absolutely apocalyptic first half. And yet you never really felt like they were out of that game. It seemed like they could climb back in. I was wrong. But it was it was when it was twenty seven to seven at halftime. It was like I was back in at twenty seven seven. I was yeah. too because I think we talked. We've seen this happen yeah. before with teams this year, and I thought it showed me that Doug Peterson, who when he ended his career with the with the Eagles, it was like, all right, I'm not sure what to think about this guy. He was an ad- coaching advantage in that game down the stretch, and I think you're going against you know Andy Reid, who is about to become the essentially third coach in league history to have. 20 playoff victories if he wins this game. So he is as legit as Tom Landry and Bill Belichick. But Doug Peterson is someone that helped get Trevor Lawrence and the rest of the crew out of the jam a week ago. And I like that about this team. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. There's the big three in the AFC. And Kansas City, by virtue of the bye that was, let's face it, aided by what happened uh, in Cincinnati in Week 17 on Monday night, they end up winning that last game, getting the 14-3 and bye, and then watching the two other superpowers kind of struggle and, and, and have to scrape their way to get out of the wild card round. Now they have big time rest. They have Andy Reid and his coaching staff with the ability to, to really plan um, and, and study the Jaguars, including what they did well and what they failed at against the Chargers. And then there's, you know, this unfinished business uh, for Mahomes. I think Mahomes is one of the great quarterbacks ever. I think he's already that. Um, and he said himself that he choked in the playoffs last year. Like he said he choked against Mm. the Bengals in the championship game. And he did the whole team did in that second half collapse. Um, I think that is major motivation for this team. 
And then you look at what his history is in the divisional round. And remember, when you get to this round, there's no more, you know, sometimes an underdog sneaks through the wild card round and then you end up getting kind of a free pass to the title game. But usually these games are big time matchups with superpower versus superpower in four games on the divisional stage, nine touchdowns, zero picks, a pass rating of almost 115. He's one of the great ones. Then the great ones play better when the stakes get higher. I do not expect him to do anything less than, you know, contribute, you know, 30 to 40 points in this game. Yeah. And then it becomes like, can Trevor Lawrence do something that we we know is probably inside him, but can he do it in this spot this early in his career? Right. I'm curious how the Jags approach it because their defense and the Chiefs defense improved a lot down the stretch since week 15. These are both top eight defenses, uh, according to DVOA, like six and eight. And they did it in similar ways. You mentioned how the Jaguars were pressuring better late in the season. The Chiefs sure. have too. Karloftis and um, Chris Jones has just taken it to like uh, amazing to like the best that Chris Jones has ever played. And they're getting pressure from different spots and they're going to be trying to force Lawrence into a mistake or two. I, when you say like, can Lawrence keep up with Mahomes? I, I do think that that's what it'll take. Maybe you get a turnover too from the chiefs. Maybe not, but can Lawrence like make two or three plays that are totally off script like Mahomes will when the defense actually has the right answers? I'm not quite there yet. I still think people are putting the cart before the hurt horse in terms of putting Lawrence in that class of quarterback. Like to me, for instance, you know, we talked about him versus Herbert. He just he hasn't showed that level of play to me over a long enough period of time and especially doing all the extra stuff. I think these two guys are really good before the snap. I think he's extremely smart and accurate for uh, such a young quarterback, but I don't know if he does the like wow plays. He has wow throws, but I'm talking about when the Chiefs come up with some plans here with Spagnolo where they get some free rushers or that he has to move off the spot. Like how many great plays is Trevor Lawrence? I think it's fair to wonder where we'd be with Trevor Lawrence had someone like Doug Peterson been there a year ago because his his, his rookie season was sabotaged. He's made a warp speed jump uh, mid-season to now, but I'm with you. I, I think Trevor Lawrence wouldn't say he's at Mahomes levels and John Josh Allen and Joe Burrow levels at this point. I do look back on that game in week 10 because the the Jaguars, they had an interception and two fumbles lost. The Chiefs had those three turnovers and the Jaguars still scored 17 points. This offense feels different to me now because that this is the Trevor Lawrence is a different quarterback now than way back then. I really do think he is. Something else happened in that game. That was a game where where Patrick Mahomes really shredded Jacksonville with his feet. And it was almost like, what can Patrick Mahomes do beyond what everything else does? And it's like, he's had games like that down the stretch for his, the way he's run the ball. And it's not Lamar Jackson or Daniel Jones, but it's been key first downs and a couple big touchdowns. And they've been money in the red zone. And then also in that game, that was the Kadarius-Tony game where he had a six-yard touchdown catch, a 32-yard end around, a 23 and 22-yard catch. and kind Give of me some up. more Tony. I think Tony is like, I, I mean, Tony. It's, we saw it against Tony, the Raiders Tony, Tony. We, this is your special. This is your secret little Tony. weapon who's not so secret, but Jacksonville was the first team that kind of got flamed by him. And Kansas City is healthy for this game relatively. They are going to be without Nicole Hardman, which clears out potentially a path to more snaps and looks for Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore as well. Remember, that was entering the season like, oh, will Sky Moore step up? Well, I think it could be Tony ultimately that is that guy that's a difference maker. Remember, Jarek McKinnon has scored in how many weeks in a row? Six or seven weeks in a row. Um, and back to the Lawrence side of things, yeah, he's obviously he doesn't have much of a track record yet, but sometimes these these jumps to become that guy happen on like the stages like this. Fair. Yeah, and fair. the last five possessions, and we talked about it on 
on Sunday night when we were going over that crazy game with the Chargers. Like, the way the game played out, um, Greg, you made the point. Like, there wasn't a lot of room for error for the Jaguars in Zero. terms of the ability to come back. So what did they do? Their last five possessions going into this game? Touchdown at the end of the half. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. March inside the red zone and kick the game-winning field goal. This team is going to go in there fearless and confident and if they get ahead, it doesn't mean Kansas City won't come back because Kansas City's come back in playoff games from 17 down, from 23 down. I almost they don't do want that. them to get ahead because that's right. what Kansas City does. But you know what? Would it surprise you if, if you look up and it's 10 nothing midway through the first quarter and the Chiefs have to do that again? It would not surprise me. I think this is a kind of a good spot for the Jags in terms mm. of where they're at. I, I'm with you. Eight points, eight and a half points feels like too much. Uh, I, I took the Chiefs to win. I took the Jaguars to to cover. Uh, I, I do wonder if Travis Etienne is a huge factor. He was a problem in that first game. Uh, he's not great in pass protection. Spagnolo really tests you there. I think they're going to kind of attack him. The offensive line for the Jaguars has been good, uh, and Lawrence's superpower is definitely getting rid of the ball, but I, I think they'll send pressure, and if they're one-dimensional, I worry about them more. I do like, though, that Doug Peterson, and you showed it last week, is great at adjusting, is great at figuring out what the other team's doing and coming up with a plan. Whereas Andy Reid, I feel like, is just a beautiful mind that comes up with an incredible plan. And you don't think of them necessarily as, like, team adjustments. You think of, like, we're going to do what we're going to do, and we have 50 different things we're going to do, and we're going to do it all over the game. Like, try to stop that. And you kind of forget that this is, you know, a little uh, pupil versus teacher. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is where Peterson, I think, learned all that beautiful scheming. So I'm an... Are you still a pupil when you're, like, 60 and you've won a Super Bowl and won a ton of games, I guess. And well, so he I just mean as a as a coach like, in Kansas City and dunce cap in the corner. Yeah, <laughs> I, and I love it because it's offensive football, and you kind of expect this game to be in the 30s. I like the over. That's what I meant about Peterson because going hurry up in the second half completely changed what the Chargers had been doing the entire first time, first half. And like it's, I it put Jacksonville in a great place, and they played with such confidence. And as for Travis Etienne. Only Christian McCaffrey has more scrimmage yards since week 15. Like, he is a factor. And I think if you can, it's, it sounds cliche to some degree, but it's like if you can, like, have longer drives where you're take, keeping Mahomes off the field, I think that matters a lot because the Chiefs like to have these long, elongated drives this year with a billion plays and go 89 yards. Well, one quick matchup to watch is just at cornerback, uh, the slot corner. Trent McDuffie was not around for that first game, and he's a rookie for the Chiefs who's really played well down the stretch. Might be their best cornerback and is a, and is a rookie, and he's probably getting that Kirk matchup. Kirk, I, I, we gave all this credit to Lawrence, and I think it got lost in the shuffle a little bit. Like Kirk had to make incredible contested catches, sometimes on the outside, which is not what he's known for to win that game, and he did it. He was clutch as hell. Can we get – oh, Justin. Oh. Yes, sir. Peterson is only 54 years old, not 60. Oh, oh yes. Mm. I don't want to age up. That's not fair. Oh, but happened, but didn't Andy Reid once coach him literally? <laughs> was he on the Packers staff where Peterson was yes. Barb's backup? So I'm just – that still counts, he's, even if they're only eight years right. apart. They're only, not, that's a not, true pupil then. Right. He's not yeah. Boomer. He's more the Gen X Mark Sessler bracket. No, he's not in my bracket. What do you mean? I mean, how far does that stretch? Like, well, it's kind of like like we think of Mark a little bit totally as a mentor, absurd. and we're his people sometimes. I, in a lot of ways. I, I in a lot can of ways. report with authority that you don't view me as a mentor. Hey, can we give um, some love to uh, <laughs> the Jags' offensive line too? 
have we given love to the Jags offensive line? You no. know, since week no, 14, they haven't lost. Okay, they're averaging about 30 points a game. That's that's a whole team-wide thing. But uh, Trevor Lawrence has been sacked 1.2 times per game since this winning streak started. That's that's pretty big time, and that's a top-five metric in the league. So they're giving him time. That big with the game on the line, they blocked up that Travis Etienne run around the end. That set up the winner. I just think this team's going to be feeling it. These are two very hard quarterbacks to sack. Not a lot of negative plays. And I got to say, Greg, because obviously, um, can we bring up the standings for the locks? Okay. We are now in in crunch time uh, in the locks challenge here. And Greggy holds a um, two-game lead over Mark um, Marv. It says Marv Sessler on the graph. Oh, we're back to this charade. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Is there a Marv in your family? Uncle Marv. Well, there is one now. Letter off. Now there is. Um, so uh, Greg at 15 and four, Dan and Marv at 13 and six. The West this Brothers. This is nonsense. West Brothers have to sweep uh, just to get to a tie. And Gravedigger just looking for respect at nine and ten. I um, I was hoping you were going to lock the Chiefs here. Yeah, because I thought was, about it. I think and listen. That was my Mark, first well, instinct. I, we, you, I think we're going to have to be lock bros on this I was because say, I'm in the same boat as you. Well, there's two you ways know? to look at it. Dan you, and Marv are going to need to <laughs> take a decisive Marv, move here. The the only way you and I win outright. And that's what you're looking for. Is to take. That, Get involved with my strategy. Maybe I'm looking for the tie. Who, who remembers the ties? But Those don't count. Those don't the, the count. Trophy, Dan and I had a tie yeah, one time. We did. I think memorable. I had a tie with the trophy one of that's you. sitting uh, behind me in my home studio. Yeah, that doesn't come in if we tie. That's, that's just going to stay there for another year. You got to take it from me. That's very true. I ties that. are nonsense. Ties don't count. Anyone playing for a tie is essentially like Lovey Smith in week this? one. All right. How about this? If you're yeah. saying that, do we want to have some type of tiebreaker in Super Bowl Sunday? To make sure that we don't end on a, a flat tie, no okay, matter what. I'm, I'm willing to consider this. To I'm, I'm open to that. I don't want to do it right now. But, I mean, I've got Marv Sessler right next to me. It's we could bring the Pro Bowl into this. We, we could, can, we could we have, have further the Pro Bowl be involved in the locks. But it probably won't come to it. Um, but Pro- at the same time, if you have uh, you and I, guts. Mark, are two games out. We don't have to be on the same path right now. But I think you're thinking the same as oh, me. I, 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 we've already, I already, the producer, our producer yeah. Drew said before I, this that this is you guys are all on the same page. We've so. done all of this too long. Like we are all thinking three steps ahead. We know what. Uh, each other's gonna do. I was thinking this. Can game I see that? Can I see the, the graphic top. one more time? Yeah, I. It said congratulations, Greg. At I the love top, it. Well, you it's the one arrow that pierces Greg's armor and gets him annoyed when people uh, prematurely congratulate him. I on would things. like to see a congratulations, <laughs> comma Greg. Just uh, oh, shore okay. that up. Well, but that's okay. That's a shot at seven foot eight man. No, I mean it's. I don't know who team th- who do tremendous work. The rest of it is fixed. tremendous. They also got my, they also got my oh. name wrong. So, you know. t- so you guys fix the combo within two seconds, but Marv stays. Yeah. So I think it's fair <laughs> game for me to critique the, sh- you know, the overall. All right. Anyway, sheet. let's take a break and then we'll hit the next game on the Saturday schedule. Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. 
Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my dance, <laughs> Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. All right, welcome back. Let's hit the Saturday night game. And I love it. Woo-wee! That old NFC East barn burner uh, between the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles. And my goodness, and we talked about it with Pat Leonard of the Daily News earlier this week. The Giants were not happy about how the Eagles uh, went about their business when they blew the doors off them about a month ago. Um, But at the same time, Mark, that Giants team that told the media afterwards, we're just not at their level right now. Are they at the Eagles level now and I know there's a lot of mystery around the Eagles after their bye week because we've got to see what version of Jalen Hurts we have. But do you think the Giants, as they are currently playing, match up well against the number one seed in the NFC? I don't think they match up well. Um, but I think that team back then, one distinct difference about this Giants team, and Pat Leonard talked about this too, was that there's just way more trust in Daniel Jones in the passing game in general. He talked about the fact that it used to be Saquon Barkley with Daniel Jones as his sidecar, and it's kind of flipped now. And like, it doesn't mean that they both aren't major core con- contributors here, but Jan- Daniel Jones coming off the best game of his career in a money spot, um, I have more trust to that for them to be able to inflict a little more damage. They were wiped out against the Eagles. My concern is a couple things. Number one, like the Giants offensive line, which has, I think, the sixth worst, worst like PFF pass blocking grade in the league. And, you know, some of that is from earlier parts of the year when they were injured and stuff too. But that's against one of the better defensive fronts in the league. And then you flip it, and the Eagles offensive line makes it really tough for guys like Kayvon Thibodeau and the rest of the crew, Dexter Lawrence, to get to Jalen Hurts if you get the version of Jalen Hurts that we got way back then because Jalen Hurts played one of his best games in that Week 14 wrecking of New York. And it was A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. I mean, they absolutely had their way against New York's corners. And so has I that part changed? I think he was changed? the MVP frontrunner, in my opinion. Yeah. At that point in the season, things went sideways. I, I, t- I agree. Like, I feel like we. it seems like we haven't seen – the Eagles that we knew of when you had them number one in the power rankings, when Jalen Hurts and my QB index was like riding number two and maybe about to go number one if something went sideways with Patrick Mahomes. I feel like we haven't seen that team in like three fortnights. So at this point, it's like, yeah, we just don't know what the Eagles are with Hurts, but the Giants mm. on defense, 
They've gotten a little Three better, Fortnites too. Three would be... That's six uh, weeks. Six weeks. I mean, that's a lot. This would be easy, actually easier Maybe to it, say six weeks than three fortnights. And I even when I said that, yeah. I was like, how long are three fortnights? I'm not sure. I thought <laughs> Fortnite was 10 days. In, in fairness, my mind. that weeks. Eagles game well. that you're talking about against the Giants was Fortnite. about five weeks away. That? I think it's how long you'd stay in a fort. I don't know where my when, lexicon came from. Like, <laughs> maybe when trouble struck in an old like kingdom, you'd stay in a fort for two using weeks. revolutionary war terms still. They, they they still use that for like Wimbledon. They like to say, "Well, of course that, they do. That's a that's yeah. a another Fortnite. forward thinking. Of course they do. <laughs> I, I <laughs> organization isn't I, Fortnite like a video game that well, the kids yes. play? Come on, to yes. you it is. Come on, come on, Justin. <laughs> we all know that. We've got the cool dances. I I think I think it's a tough matchup for the Giants, but I try to think, especially on offense, like how can they win this? That was game? cheeks, Justin. <laughs> I nailed it. I. Look, yeah, everyone knows I've become you know a huge Giants believer in the last uh, couple of weeks. I, I do mean it that I think they belong here. That that by the end of the season they became one of the eight best teams in the league, like what or whatever the number is, eight, eight or ten best teams in the league. That they're playing their best football right now. I think defensively that's where the biggest improvement came from. Daniel Jones has also improved, but I think of like how can their offense match up against the Eagles' defense? How can they get over the talent mismatch? Because I think that's where the mismatch really is. Evan Neal has struggled at right tackle, including last week. Just personnel-wise, other than Andrew Thomas, they don't really match up. And I just think of Daniel Jones and Saquon running the hell out of the ball. Like, that is how they win this game. Daniel Jones didn't run much in the Eagles game uh, a month ago, and yet the Eagles have really struggled against running quarterbacks. Their numbers, uh, like their EPA, everything like that, against running quarterbacks is is actually terrible. So I think you got to use what the Eagles do. You have two great running quarterbacks in this game. You have two... uh, RPO heavy type of offenses, but the difference is one has Saquon Barkley and the other doesn't. And I, I think how like you know how running quarterbacks make their running game better, like their running backs better. Like Lamar's helped all the Ravens running backs. Jalen Hurts helps Miles Sanders. I think it's the other way around here that Saquon Barkley is so dynamic and their coach is so creative and how they use Barkley and where they put him on the field that he makes Daniel Jones even better as a runner. And so I think you got to look at those two guys as a tandem. And the only way they win this game is with great play calling and a hell of a lot of running. And those two guys going on long drives and just being better on the ground. And I think that's where Philly's weak. I have the Giants at number seven in the power rankings. Above the... Jaguars? Jaguars. That does, now, does that include, like, the Lions, for instance, or no? The Lions are now, they get moved out once you move to the divisional round. It's just 14 teams. You should keep them, like, just up until, like, to, at a certain point, we got to let it go. We must move on. I just didn't know if, like, I was trying to think who is the best team that missed the playoffs. It's probably them. Like, where would they fit in that? Yeah. Yeah. No, the thing is, and we did in the live show last night, I threw out a what's more likely. What's more likely, Daniel Jones comes down to earth and all this talk about him getting a $100 million contract doesn't seem so simple a week from now. Or the Eagles are that classic and one of the great examples of a team that peaks too soon and they kind of come out flat and the quarter... Very nice. And the quarterback doesn't look right and will kind of remember the season as, you know, man, if, if Hurts just would have stayed healthy, maybe things would have been mm. different. I think that's, that's in play here and we're not going to know for sure until we see how Philadelphia uses... They're a dynamic quarterback. I, I think now that you know we're here, divisional weekend is where the rubber meets the road. They're going to, I think, have their 
a game plan and just hope for the best. That would be unless there's something really bad going on with Hurts that we don't know about. They and took I, him off the injury report, which almost felt like a showy. Yeah, move. right. <laughs> and it's just like, can can he withstand the punishment of uh, a Giants defensive line that can go get it? I think, and very fairly, Dexter Lawrence got a ton of pop um, based on his performance on Sunday and through the week. And it kind of reminds you again, the Giants, they're just good at building defensive lines. And with Leonard Williams there and Kayvon, they have just the ability to cre- create havoc and, and make players uncomfortable. Like the, the Kirk Cousins check down on fourth down. That was because he couldn't hang in the pocket. And it put him in a situation where he's like, do I just throw it up for grabs or throw it to that guy open and underneath and see if he can make one or two plays. Um, can they make Jalen Hurts uh, uncomfortable? Can they put some pops on Jalen? You don't want to see anybody get injured, but make this guy pay for it when he tries to be physical and run the ball. The Giants have a chance to dictate the flow of the game by what they can do up front. I'd like to think they do. I mean, I also think Aziz Ojolari, who will be on the injury report, Brian Dable said he he, ha- he was out there for a walkthrough. We'll see what he can do, what version of him you get. Um, Lane Johnson back for the Eagles. I think that's huge. I mean, there's they're a different... What version look. of Lane Johnson do you that's, right. that's the, the version of him and Hurts almost feels like the biggest X factor in I, this I game. think that's why we don't know because I, I'll go back to the fact that like for all this stuff, the way that the Giants have evolved, how have they evolved to stop Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown who wrecked them in that game? I, I just don't see where that's ha- where that's changed. And if Hurts can... If Hurts is healthy, like... That to well, me they is have, like, like they the have better players though. Dory Jackson and Xavier McKinney are their two best players in the secondary. They they were injured throughout this season, and their return like really I think helps out that secondary. Might I uh, I think about that pass rush that you you mentioned with the the Giants and like this isn't the Vikings they're going against. This is a, a right. future Hall of Famer potentially. Wow, I, they put that on way too early for Jason Kelsey, but he'll get considered. Um, not early in his career, just I haven't thought about it. But he has, like, the numbers and the all-pros and all that to do it. He's at center, a good interior line uh, around him. Um, you know, a, a very popular podcast uh, executive produced by our old producer, TD, yes. uh, with Jason Kelsey. And so it's not the same matchup. Garrett Bradbury in the Vikings offensive line, no no pop, no podcast, no Hall of Famers. I, just, I see something happening in this game. And, like, I, look, I picked the Giants to win in overtime. And I think they're going to hang around and make this. This is going to be like a point of departure for Brian Dable's Giants that I think goes win or lose. You go into this offseason with more hope around the New York Giants than we've seen in a, in, in a million years since the Super Bowl. But because they're coming off of a Daniel Jones day where he shredded a Minnesota Vikings pass defense that is the worst in league in the league, and you pair that with the way that we've viewed the Eagles for two plus weeks, it's like, oh, maybe they're not the same team. Like, What's going on with them? Like, they're not impressing us. I'm not sure any of that is actually factually relevant to this game. Wait, but you're not going to bring up all of this when you retweet the Giants' uh, social media account What's, that's I, pointing out you're the only person that, I, that picked I, them. Yeah, you, well, of course. Uh, of course. But, but I, I said that I picked them, and I'm going to roll with it because it's exciting and fun. But I just think the Eagles are getting a little looked past right now. Mm. I mean, they were dominant for 87% of their games. Yes, they were. Um I need to see that team again. And we just saw with their division mate, the Cowboys, another team that we have far less reason to trust based on their recent mm. history. They hit the pedal of the metal as soon as the playoffs started and, and looked like a different team. A little, I just, maybe this is just as my New York Jet fan, a scar tissue here. Um, like I said, my old man, dad, 
hates the Giants, but he's still in that market with the media and the fans all around him. I moved to California. I am a big Keith fan. <clears throat> Thank you, Mark, <laughs> uh, as he is of you. Um, I came here, and I lost all that giant vitriol. But then, like, in the text, the text threads with my buddies back east, they're getting – they're really feeling themselves. Greg would hate it. The, the Giants fans are – and the way they talk about the quarterback is as if they have now found a generational talent in Daniel Jones. And I'm just going to – a little bit of cold water, okay? When did everyone start talking about Daniel Jones making this big leap? It was starting with Christmas Eve. It was – I know he kind of got better as the season came along, but all this talk about, like, now the offense runs through Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is the best player on the offense. Daniel Jones this. He lit up Minnesota in Minnesota, absolutely walked over a Colts team that doesn't even deserve to be in the league right now, and then did it again to Minnesota. Those are that, – mm. that's bottom of the barrel in terms of defenses and schemes right now. And to, to now ask him to go against the Eagles. If this guy balls out against the Eagles, I'm going to shut my mouth and be the first one to sing this guy's praises. But I'm a little concerned about the Danny, Danny Dimes hype against how he's built up that hype in the last month. It's totally fair. This is a like a raging litmus test um, that would change perceptions about him forever if he went out and did the same thing. Uh, but doesn't it, it feel like people it, have already made yeah, like no, the judgment I that he's I feel jumped? like I've been in. I feel like I've had some Daniel Jones stock from the beginning. I wrote a regrettable uh, long season. It wasn't quite a long off season, long form, but it was close about right. how excited I was about him and Drew Locke. I think he's been like rock solid all along. And in Drew, the Locke? Drew Locke. That's maybe what I'm maybe you don't have Very, to surface that article. I'm saying it was regrettable. <laughs> I've taken fire for this article on Twitter quite a few times. I'm stupid. And and I am stupid. But then the Daniel Jones part of it, I think he's always been better than people gave him credit for. And I think the surrounding talent and certainly the coaching has really I mean, elevated. I recall you, Greg, also absolutely. We got into it after a Monday night game when you fried Daniel. I said, Jan- I like Daniel yeah. Jones. He's a little spicy. And you were like, he's the worst quarterback. He's, he's the worst quarterback in the league. You're a little erratic with your Giants takes right now. You're kind of all over the you place. You are. I think you're trying to get in on this and you're struggling because it doesn't you know, I mean, be doesn't organic. suit his, his. No, we don't. We're not buying this. We're not. Greatness. Wait, you you had a think piece about Drew Locke when he was going against Geno Smith as Seattle's quarterback. It was more than two years ago. It was okay, an off-season I, okay, piece I, that I was excited to watch them coming out of. I want their, an oral history on this piece. Their, That's fair. Their rookie season, and and you're right. I have been a little all over the place, like with this Giants pick. And you mentioned the Cowboys <laughs> before, with this Giants team. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Cowboys before. And the Cowboys, I think last week, it was a good example of a team like you were looking at what had happened recently and no one was really as focused on like one team's 12 and five and one team's eight and nine for a reason. One team's loaded a top five offense defense on both sides of the ball. And I think that's the case here with this Eagles team, even though I think the Giants are belong Uh-oh. in this game. Uh-oh. And I think that they're going to survive. I don't think they can cover Dallas Goddard. I don't think their linebackers can play a lick. And I'm turning back around. I'm the heel. Let's go, <laughs> Eagles. We're locking it up. <laughs> Greg is uh, he's growing his craft as a showman. I'll give him that. I because he helping. just went like kind of right. WWF 1989 wrestling. Are you heel. insinuating that you were the hero before this? You were a, you were well, baby it, face? I don't it, know if that's yeah. your when role. It, when it comes to picking the Giants games in this weird What uh, is more world. fun for the Lock Bros than to embrace this Giants team Yeah, as our lock off with Greg? The only thing that does annoy me is if we lose this lock, Greg gets to saunter through Super Bowl Sunday without a, a care in the world. Yeah, but that's we're at that it's moment. Over. We're at that moment. It's the crucible. He's gonna if he's if he wins this it and we go pick moment. no matter what else, it doesn't matter. So All right. you ready? We're doing it. On three? Yeah. <laughs> All right. 
on three. One, two, three. We're going to lock it up. Let's go, G-Men. Let's go. I mean, who's the showman now? Let's go. Uh-oh. I am making this a double lock off because I'm going to lock the Eagles in this Ooh. one. <laughs> that's actually, that's I good. I don't like this, Justin. So old. the guy with like the 420 winning percentage just aligned with Greg. Good. But Greg, the thing is, you can't go now change to the Chiefs. No, I I thought about how uh, all the ways this show could go. Let's go, G-Men! This felt like the most exciting <laughs> this ending, is the best. which is I felt like you guys would come with me on this. This is we fantastic. All, we all could do it. Make I am it the big emotionally game. involved in this lockdown. Yes, and if you guys want to, um, someone just got in my ear. I believe he's nine feet tall and said, there's some interesting stuff in that Drew Locke article if we want to surface it at any point. Maybe Jeez. that's a, I don't know. There's some people working against you behind the scenes. It's, it's I mean, it's but a, you brought it up. It's on NFL.com. I can't right. hide from it. I mean, I think we all have a few things on right, NFL.com well, you know that what? are problematic. I want to. Yeah, I think so. Well, actually, no. They redid the uh, content management system and wiped all our bylines. I had like a two thousand word entire careers. Like a two thousand word write up on Kim Kardashian right. having a crush on Tim Tebow. That's not uh, the way to start your career here. Where? where yeah. <laughs> Where's your life's work, Dan? Oh, I don't know. It's lost in the yeah. uh, digital abyss. Oh, they changed CMSs, so I don't exist anymore. <laughs> I think it's like a Julia Roberts movie in 1993. Um, all right. Let's just pick the games before we, we're going to take a halftime break here and, and visit with a friend. What do we have? Jaguars, Chiefs. Uh, what do we have for scores there? I had the Jaguars covering and, and losing in, a, in the 30s. I think it's going to be Chiefs 27, Jaguars 21. All right. I'll go Chiefs 38, Jags 28, and Giants, Eagles. You know, that my whole um, Daniel Jones thing. I kind of, you know, I believe what I say typically on the show. Even it's not always right. <laughs> that can wait a week. I'm, I'm extremely um, apprehensive about Danny Dimes here, but it's too late to back out now. So yes, the Giants in a classic again. And mm. I've been, you know, watching the Giants for 30 years, and these Giants playoff runs, they usually don't go one win and out. They take on a vibe like midway through that Vikings game. You just you knew it. You knew the Giants were going to find a way because sometimes again, same thing with the Chargers on the other side. You could change the players, the management, the coaches, but some teams, they just have this thing that sticks to them and the Giants go on these memorable runs. They're going to win another very close game. I'm going to say 24-21, the Giants locking it up. The 86 and 90 teams were dominant. Um, punishing operations under Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick. The two Eli Manning teams, though, you are so right. You get vibes with this team. I'm not saying that they're the equivalent talent-wise, but those teams went into the playoffs with shaky records, um, just squeaking in, and then some magic took over, and it was like, we don't care who you're playing. I kind of feel they've got that thing. Maybe it's next year if it's not this year, but I picked them in this fantastic thing that happened uh, in our picks thing online on Twitter. 26-20 to 20 in overtime, which means Saquon Barkley rips off like an 84-yard touchdown run after the Eagles wow. go three and out on their opening overtime possession, and New York moves on. I, you know, I didn't feel like amazing about either of the Eagles or the Chiefs, which were the two obvious ones. I had the Giants covering on, on the game picks 29-22. Like, a, a Giants win uh, would not shock me, but I think the Giants have way more weaknesses. I think it's on defense, especially those linebackers, uh, just picking on those guys with Sanders and Goddard. And, you know, while we're on the um, subject of predictions, Mark, um, Greg brought it up on the live show, and I feel like I should bring it up now that, you know, the Bucks, the NFC South winner, did not win a playoff game, and yet you did not surface that information 
you didn't take the L on the Monday show and a Tuesday show, and I thought maybe this is something I well, I didn't lock to it address. up. I didn't lock it up. Um, you, you, I spent like 15 different shows talking no, about it. That's more than prop, a lock. You know. I, I'll be honest. Like those Sunday night shows, sometimes like I, 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 I want you to believe me. I forgot to. It was it was it the was Tuesday it. show. All right, especially by Tuesday, I forgot to. But uh, you're right. So you're seeing where my mind is. Um, I that's I'll take the L on that. I should have done that because if I'm going to would tell, you have brought it up if the Bucks won? Of course, of course, it would have been more in my mind. But I, I would say this: that like if I'm going to walk around, prance around the studio, telling Greg to be more of a showman, I've got to take the L's with the W. So that's on me, and it's a learning point. All right. Well, well that's, that's I, I took the air out that's of your integrity. tires. What can you yeah. do now? You can't. I you just, didn't back down on, on stage in front of the sold out crowd. But this is nice. You've that's you've a different genuflected. kind of crowd. You just have to keep like, you know, you don't take punches. <laughs> you keep throwing them. Kind of crowd. So it was. Was it not? It was a great crowd. So there were one or two people in there that were a little too liquored up. There was one gentleman that just kept shouting at one point. It was like, "There's always one." Right? Way more in England. I mean, I oh, don't yeah. know if the people of England ever stop drinking. I believe that country is perpetually inebriated, and I'm cool with it. Uh, but it's sometimes you get like we try to do two years ago, uh, back to back live shows. Uh, it was when Mark wasn't with us. You were uh, ill, Mark, and it was Greg and I. And by the second show, the people of England were so drunk. London was so underwater with ale that we couldn't even hear ourselves in conversation. <laughs> it's a little different in L.A. I think we could ask our halftime guest about that. Yes. What in a fact, segue. Let's take a break and talk to one of the very drunk men of London. Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance. <laughs> Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. All right, welcome back. I mentioned uh, we were going to have a um, 
a buzzed Londoner joining us now. <laughs> and here he is. God save the king. God save Henry Hodgson. Welcome back to Around the NFL, our good friend, who we miss dearly in the States, but we know you have more important things to handle now, Mr. Responsibility. Hi, guys. I miss you guys a lot as well. How are you all doing? I don't know about your nickname going from Handsome Hank to Mr. Responsibility. That seems like a bad life <laughs> Not uh, stick switch. with the prior. Yeah. It's yeah, still true. The prior is still true. Prior one. Yeah. Um, Hank, we are... Um, stopping down our preview for a little halftime assignment because we want to share we have this great passionate overseas listenership and um rabid r- rabid rabid is it rabid or rabid what do we go well, for in america I listen, think we're having rabid, another cultural but, disconnect uh it is, would be rabid yeah. here but i agree i kind of agree with your rabid well, you're from Surrey, so I, sure, yeah, I need right. to be on well, my naturally. side. Dan Personal. only likes the American Famously. Dictionary, not the English Dictionary. <laughs> That's We've true. Over this. That's hey. true. Um, anyway, rabbit is the correct pronunciation. Um, let's get to it. Let's share the game, the home, the designated home teams, Hank, for the it's, international yeah, the designated games. designated teams. International games, 2023. Let's bring that, that tune up again, that mm. classic <laughs> national classic. anthem. Classic. <laughs> Iconic, even. Historic. Did I like God Save the Queen better? I thought it had a little bit of little pop to it. A little more King, little more kind of heroic. Little more on the same yeah. song. King, save yourself. A little please. more feminist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But time what marches on. Right, yeah. Hank? <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> the National Football League is announced. I think if we recall this time last year <laughs> when we talked about this, Mark predicted that there may be a, a change in money. <laughs> I, you know what? I, changing I, of the guard. I mentioned that even before the show. Like, um, it happened very soon after. <laughs> it was that, weeks yeah. before Henry. He basically did it himself. Yes, you mark your sentences to watch the crown all the way through this entire weekend. <laughs> I have no predictions about Prince Charles, who is young and vibrant, as far as I can see. I would to not some say degree. he's young or vibrant. Uh, let's get I into think we it. Move on. Yes. Yeah. Um, the NFL announced five teams set to play in the 2023 international games. The Buffalo Bills, the Tennessee Titans. Hey there, uh, Gravedigger. Jacksonville Jaguars, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs and New England Patriots will all play home games. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, the hot toddy, the big tot will again host two of those international games. Uh, the Jags will return to their home away from home Wembley Stadium as a part of that multi-year pact. And how about that? Finally, Henry, your people, after all these years, um, the Jaguars being the designated team, and it's like, oh, the Jaguars are our team. Oh, the Jaguars are our team. What a treat for us. Um, now it actually is cool, <laughs> so that's great. It's always been cool. It's exciting. This is the, this will be the tenth year in yeah, a row but you know what I'm saying. in the UK. We've we've embraced it. No, I don't. I actually don't know. I mean, when say. Blaine Gabbard's coming over, yeah. It's exciting that they are playing um, in in uh, in a playoff game this weekend, alongside with the Bills as well. So two teams, so the, two of the two of the eight teams playing this weekend, will be playing in London next year. Mm. Yeah. So the Chiefs and the Patriots are in Germany. Bills, Titans, and Jags uh, in London. I I am always impressed and surprised that the Jaguars fan base in London in the UK is a real thing. And I got to think this this run kind of takes it to another level. Are there like a lot of Bills and Titans fans? I mean, really, are there any Titans fans outside of uh, Tennessee in the studio? 
Ouch. Jeez. Wow. I don't know. Wow. That's a tough one. <laughs> Greg took that to an interesting place. I know, lots of people excited to see the Titans. <laughs> I didn't know if that was a question for me. I thought it was Nobody knows what that was, really. I don't know. It all felt like Sulting too an nice. And then, yeah. <laughs> I will say this, though. The, like, the lineup, I mean, we, don't, we only know half the lineup, but it's like, I can think back six, seven years ago where it's like you'd send, you'd struggle to send competitive teams to London. You'd get, these were not always A matchups. They're B matchups. These are premier teams, and that happened this last season, too. So I would ask you this, because we always get asked this when we go to London, and it's like, we don't really know. There was like, what will, fo- what will football look like 10 years from now? It's like, well, we would love to see a team in London, but like, I'm, you, you know better than anyone. Where is this going? Like, where will we What's be in five, 10 sport? years? Will it look different than this? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I think it could do. There's definitely, I think the, the biggest issue is always like the inventory. How many games could we actually take overseas? Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the go- our goal is to is to put on the best possible experiences. And, and then if a team wanted to come and play in London, if they wanted to, to move uh, into the UK and, and play permanently there, then we'd have the, the fan base that could support it. That's the goal. Is you to, could is crank to get it up from that. three, we, though. All we can do... Yeah, all we can do though is just is just make sure that what we do, the games that we put on, everything else that we do in the UK puts us in the right position. If if a team were to want to 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 take it to the UK, I always thought you could have at least like an eight game slate, like any. Right, we're at any five team. now. We're pretty yeah. close. But I will say the idea that I personally, this is just a me thing, a Mark thing. Like it's now wake up at you know five thirty in the morning to watch this game, and then there's three. It's like seventeen hours of football on Sunday. I love it. It's fantastic. I'll try to learn to speak like you, Henry, which will rise me up through the org chart. But like, um, uh, I don't know. It's a lot. It's it's, it's fantastic. It's great. Finish your thought. I was like Sean Payton like a, talking trash about the AFC South right. this week, and he stopped himself. I, I just do think it's like coaches in general. The, the few times you've asked coaches about London, I think maybe I wonder if a culture change happens here, where it's like they don't want to. Disruption. I think it is a bit of a disruption. The players seem to embrace and I love see. going to England. It's like the coaches need to come around and realize, like, this is your sport. You got to grow the game. I do mean that, where it's like it's a good experience, but it's like some of them have a weird attitude about having to take the week and go there and do all that business. They do. I mean, there's, there's definitely a strong correlation between the coaches who have that feeling and the coaches who lose the games there. And then the coaches mm. who win say it was a great experience and we'd love to do it again. I've noticed that correlation definitely. I would say, you know, that 21 weeks of the year that um, the, the fans here in the UK and Europe, everywhere else in the world, are up until all hours of the morning during the NFL playoffs, there are fans in the UK and Germany, you know, watching games until five o'clock in the morning. So if once in a while some teams could could come and coaches, you know, could be okay with getting up early in the morning, I think I think it would be okay. Pretty amazing. Uh, th- this will be the first Bills time time in london right have they been there they played no they played before so last year last year we checked all the boxes the packers were the Mm. last team to show up to london the bills i think played in 2015 doesn't count connor or and i went to that game actually jaguars bills it was a rex ryan very but very bizarre game where the jaguars were on fire and the play wembley was on fire it is nice though to have josh allen going over to london you got patrick mahomes heading uh to germany you used to be the VP of All International. Now you're more focused on the UK. Is there a friendly rivalry here with like who gets the better games and mm. whatnot? Yeah, there's, some, there's a friendly rivalry. We want to make sure that people in the UK have the best possible 
time and the best game. So yeah, I would say friendly rivalry is a nice way of putting it. That that zappy game in in uh, in Germany is going to be a big one for Patriots fans. <laughs> <laughs> That's your Dolphins fan coming out, and I love it. Um, Henry Hodgson, general manager of the NFL UK. Whoa, the jo- job titles keep on it going oozes up. power. Uh, oozes power, and you know, and you know, I've I've stated this numerous times, both in print and to you personally. Um, when, when the NFL has a Super Bowl in London, that halftime show must be the Oasis reunion. Uh, Noel and I talked about it um, recently when I managed to spend some time with him, and he is very excited about that opportunity. Wow, that's actually true. He that's hung out true on Shad Khan's super yacht with Noel Gallagher. And they I believed well. it. And Noel's an NFL fool. fan, legitimately. Anyway. Big Cowboys fan. Big Cowboys fan. Hank, we love you. Thank you for this information. Please, and we always need your help. Get us back over there. Not for the game. That's what, I mean, that's what show. it's already Just started. for dinners. Let's get you there. Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> dinner, dinner and a live show. And yes, yes. We, we love you, buddy. And thank you uh, for taking some time. And get back to your ale. I will be. Good All to right. see you. There see you he guys. goes. Henry, see you, Henry. Henry Hodgson, general manager. I trust his NFL celebrity UK. anecdotes because one of the first times I met him, he told him told a story about how he and his friends, when they were younger, and they were they had been out, I think, um, drinking late, and they were have had sort of a hangover earlier in the day that Chris Martin and Gwyneth Paltrow, when they before they had a oh the Hank the, is basically the, you know like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah, he's that, but London and like and high London culture. This was before they had yeah. the mutual parting, whatever it's called, like um, like conscious uncoupling. Conscious uncoupling, like uh, Gwyneth Paltrow scolded. Henry and the rest of the lads for their their ways, the their parting ways. Yeah. Yes. Many years ago, Henry, now an upstanding gentleman of the highest esteem. Um, let's go. Let's do a quick spin around the league before we get back uh, to the championship games um, as or the divisional games. As we said, there's less coaches, head coaches that are biting the dust, but there's always got to be someone that pays the price for teams disappointing. And we're continuing to see um coordinators bite the dust. So this is the latest um uh Ravens and offensive coordinator Greg Roman part ways after six seasons. There was one year left on Roman's deal. There's an I think it was out there that was a team option. So essentially it was Greg uh take a walk and um we have I think a do we have John Harbaugh? Because this story remember we talked about do we need to be talking about Lamar Jackson and what the saga is? Yes. Yeah, last what, episode. Yeah, when like, there's news. When there's news yeah. and I think today Thursday, uh, to me, smells like a reunion will happen with uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Here's what John Harbaugh had to say. Lamar Jackson is our quarterback. I mean, he's been our quarterback. Everything we've done in terms of building our offense and building our team, uh, how we think in terms of people and put people around him is based on this incredible young man and his talent, his ability, and his competitiveness. You know, he he and I were talking today, too. and, And one of the things about Lamar that, to me, stands out He's an incredible competitor. I mean, Lamar Jackson, all he wants to do is win at everything he does, you know. I I thought that was telling. You're right, Dan. I thought that was newsworthy. They said that Lamar would be involved in the offensive coordinator decision. It was interesting to see Lamar Jackson uh, retweet, a quote tweet, uh, something out there that pointed out how he had been in a pro-style offense in Louisville, so Mm -hmm. a little different than kind of what Greg Roman had been running. And... uh, that to me tells you that like 
he's not going anywhere. If they don't want him to go anywhere, he's not going anywhere because at the very worst for them, they could just put a second franchise tag. Then the ball's in his court a little bit, but he would be making, I, I, I think, over $45 million. I don't think he would mind that. The Ravens are so well run. That's the reason why they've, they've always been relevant, um, in part because they handle situations the right way almost always, and they're doing this the right way. They're like, all right, obviously things are not good with Lamar. How can we fix this? All right, let's get rid of Roman. Let's make sure he knows uh, we are open to changing the offense, how he wants it to be changed, get him involved. It's things that teams that aren't run well um, don't do right, uh, and it seems like easy stuff, but it very easily could lead to bitterness. And we'll see. Maybe this thing still devolves, but it just feels like between those comments, what DaCosta said, and then Lamar um, his quote retweet there was telling to me in general. Yeah, I mean, doing things well also is having the press conference where you give concrete news. Like, why? that's why we're talking about Lamar Jackson at the right time to diffuse some of this because they are run really well. But like a week ago or coming off of Lamar Jackson not showing up to their playoff game, I think things were getting a little strange. And so you've diffused a bunch of that, which is good. I mean, we're seeing that Justin Herbert's going to get a say in who replaces Joe Lombardi. And I think if you're Lamar Jackson... The Greg Roman experience probably has run its course, and I don't know if they did this just for Lamar Jackson. It certainly has a lot to do with him, um, but he should have a say in who he wants to coach him because that's part of a long-term agreement with a star quarterback at this point in the NFL. The one thing about Greg Roman, I know his offenses in San Francisco in here, they start to stale. I mean, I, we all see that, but he coached up Alex Smith in San Francisco to incredible levels. He made Lamar Jackson an MVP. Lamar Jackson did too, but that offense, they really use like Greg, the better parts of what Greg Roman about does. the Kaepernick stretch too. The, you're the right, Kaepernick you're right. to the Super He'll Bowl. Get another job Greg quickly. Roman does, it's not for everyone, but he he does have a track record of maximizing quarterbacks in the in the right spot. I'd take him. With, the, with all the great running quarterback talent around the league, he, he should have a job. They, they, they were quick to point out uh, in their statement saying bye to Roman that he has set at least 26 different records in the NFL. And I was like, what? I want to know what the, those records are. And the, tw- the number 26 well, just struck me as That statistic. Like, uh, like, like good records? I'm like, assuming yes, good, good records. Yeah. Yeah. 2019 yeah. was like an NFL offense unlike we've ever totally sure. seen in the modern right. era. And that, that's where a lot there of those like records came from. A, a stats intern for the Ravens got called into the office and like, hey, we're going to fire Greg, <laughs> uh, but we need you to pull up some really compelling positive data about him uh, because we're a classy org. I had a pizza with Greg Roman at the Indianapolis airport that one time. Did in fact, Henry Hodgson came and joined us. Have you reached out to him to extend your condolences? I don't, and that, that was half a decade ago, forward. and I don't think our friendship um, really was cemented to okay. beyond that time. That, that that is the classy way to fire someone. Unlike, and I know. Um, yeah, the social media accounts aren't the ones doing the firing, but it's really gotten on my radar lately that they put a huge sad picture of the person who got fired, in this case, Byron Leftwich, but I think Roman too. Uh, and then they just put a huge fired, like in massive, le- we don't we don't need to we do that. that. That's an These are from the same companies that have had layoffs recently. And I'm just thinking like, you don't need to have a huge graphic of like fired with the same face. And then all these like, like that's why we call it New Horizons. Right. All these like, losers right. in my mention are like, oh, you're getting soft, like so soft. Like the, the media is so soft these days. You can't report the facts. <laughs> uh, he was Block, fired, but Block. I understand your point. It's just like fired. All right. Also yeah, fired. Yeah. Uh, the Buccaneers have dismissed offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich. <laughs> Not just Byron Leftwich. Again, Todd Bowles survives. 
But Buck's leadership said, you know, and maybe Todd, I don't know. A lot of people got to go. And it's not just your OC. In addition to Leftwich, five assistants were dismissed, including their running backs coach, Todd McNair, offense, uh, assistant defensive line coach, Lori Locust, and three others uh, retired, in court, in court, including quarterbacks coach uh, Clyde Christensen. Also, the Dolphins part ways with Josh Boyer after three seasons as their defensive coordinator. Um, that uh, comes uh, along with the departures of safeties coach, uh, outside linebackers coach, the assistant linebackers coach. Uh, so big changes there as he well. went down swinging. <laughs> he did. Yeah. That was an interesting game plan. Uh, he had some of the pretty aggressive uh, wild. play calling there by Boyer against the Bills. It, it kind of worked and then it absolutely didn't work in moments. It was just very much risk reward. Well, it's one of those that or he was on the previous staff. He was a Patriots guy. And uh, I guess McDaniel can go get his. Own player. It's just interesting. McVeigh also had fired five coaches and two others left with the idea that like they probably were getting fired before they left. So that's seven new coaches on the Rams too. So like a lot of these organizations making huge changes. All right, there you go. You're caught up. Let's move to the Sunday games. And let's start with um I think the game of the weekend. It is uh to me the two best teams in the AFC, the Cincinnati Bengals and Buffalo Bills. Two teams with a lot of unfinished business themselves. Of course, we know Cincinnati came so close, oh, so close to winning the Super Bowl last year, uh, went down against the Rams. And um, we also had the Bills, who, of course, lost one of the all-time playoff shootouts against the Chiefs, those final, what was it, 12 seconds after the Josh Allen touchdown pass that led to a heartbreaking defeat uh, in overtime. So these are two teams looking to get over the hump and of course we when this game kicks off greg uh, it will be 20 days since the damar hamlin incident mm. uh when these two teams had what seemed to be a huge regular season showdown to see who was ahead of the other and that game never was completed for obvious reasons so now here they are again with the stakes at their very highest it it, it struck me last week just how quickly like the nfl Moved on, and we all moved on, and I think that was helped immeasurably by the great outcome in, in DeMar ha- Hamlin's life. But I'm thinking it on some of these these huge hits uh, over last weekend and everything, and it somehow it it feels I don't know if right's the right word, but the fact that these two teams get to play here in the divisional round, I know the Bengals maybe aren't thrilled that this game is in Buffalo. I think that's a, a silly argument, but it does feel right that we get to see which team. It is better here. And I think for Josh Allen to be better this week, to be more consistent, I think it's going to have him being more patient. I just think he's going to have to run the ball more. I don't think the Bengals are going to do uh, what the Dolphins did a week ago and just go kamikaze. Maybe they'll blitz a little more, but that's not really what they do. I think they're going to be asking Josh Allen, A, to, to he's going to have to run the ball a lot, I think, to win this game. And B, to like progress the ball slowly down the field and see if those secondary receivers like Cole Beasley, like John Brown, like Khalil Shakir can step up and not really believe that this team can be patient enough to do a 12 play drive without making big mistakes. Yeah. I I feel like with Josh Allen, we've week after week seen a flood of turnovers in key spots. And yet the good parts of Josh Allen have allowed the Bills to work out of it. He had seven big-time throws last week against the Dolphins, which is the most of anyone all season. I mean, there were a couple deep shots that... Wow, that surprised me. That was the most 
of any quarterback against an opponent. Well, that goes back in some way to Josh he Boyer. He had a great yeah. game. It yeah. was a yeah, Boyer kept sneaky. on challenging Boy, him. Well, Boyer yeah. drove him crazy, and yeah. they created turnovers. But then you had, like, even 50-yard completions that were, you know, suddenly not a completion. But it's like, Josh Allen worked his way out of it. I, I wonder if this is the game, though, where, like, because I, I think we all sort of felt like if it if you could keep doing that, it's going to come back to bite you and the Bills at some point because you're going to get to playing better and better competition. The Bengals' red zone defense has been awesome. Over the last five games, they have stopped opponents on seven of 16 red zone drives. Four of those, and and that's at no touchdowns, four of them have come with zero points, whether by turnover or on downs. Mm. And you look at a Buffalo offense that has a league-high seven turnovers inside the 20. No other team. Seven. No other team had more than five. And, And a lot of those are on Josh Allen. He does all the good stuff, but it's just like the Bengals' strength right now matches up with a Buffalo weakness that I think Buffalo needs to be more patient. Like you said, Josh Allen needs to just look at the field a little differently. I look at this offense and say, you look at what we just talked about, Daniel Jones, and the, and the Brian Dayball effect on Daniel Jones. He has seven fumbles this year total, which is or six Daniel Jones, which is way lower than in any other season. He's not that turnover machine. He's had way more rushing attempts. They've turned him into the maximized version of Daniel Jones, where I think we're getting a Josh Allen who somehow seems to have gone back a bit, back to the season before his evolution. Not with his big plays, but just that he was super clean when he was at his heights under Brian Dable, too. It's it's gotten to the point where Josh Allen's like keeps telling us this is who he is this year. We got to believe him and no longer be surprised hmm. when there are multiple turnovers. And then it becomes about how does the other team react to that? And he had three turnovers against the Dolphins. They turned those three turnovers into 18 points, and it's the only reason that game was competitive because Miami with Skylar Thompson could not move the ball. Um, I believe the Bills gave up one touchdown drive on defense uh, legitimately. And so that side of the ball, I'm not worried about. It is the Allen thing. You mentioned seven turnovers inside the 20. He has 22 turnovers overall this year, Josh Allen. He's got 16 picks. Both of that leads the league, the 22 turnovers. And it's just like, how does that version of Josh Allen, uh, if that happens again against a better team, can they get away with it? Now, the other side of the ball with Cincinnati is I trust Burrow more than I trust Allen right now. But at the same time, I trust Allen's offensive line more than I trust Burrow's. We know the injury issues that Cincinnati has. And yet, Greggy, this would have been the game. This would have been potentially the Von Miller game. And and the fact that the yep. Bills don't have uh, their closer against this um, obviously c- compromised Cincinnati offensive line that could be missing three starters, um, I think that is a big factor in this game as well. Can the Bills, are they built to take advantage of the weakness of Cincinnati's offense? They should be. Greg Rousseau's still been a good pass rusher. Ed Oliver is still there. So you have two really good pass rushers, and then you have other guys who have rotated in and played well at times. Boogie Basham had a good game last week. I think what it does, though, is like they don't have to send any extra guys. And you're right. If they had Von Miller there, I would feel amazing about the Bills uh, in their defense, getting all over Burrow. Without him, then at least Cincinnati feels like they have a chance. It's kind of up to Burrow of like how much does he want to turn back into the quarterback he was a year ago, which was holding on to the ball a lot longer to try to make a big play, and he would take a lot of sacks, and he's cut way down that, on that. His time to throw has gone way down this year. He makes quick decisions. He gets rid of the ball, but I think he's going to – 
be tempted to hold the ball a little longer here, even with that bad offensive line, and see if T. Higgins and Chase especially can win those matchups. I don't think Tredavious White's all the way back to being what he was. Kyir Elam had a nice game last week, but he's been very up and down this week. And, like, I think Burrow's going to have to have his own risk assessment, kind of like Josh Allen, where it's like, it, I need to make some big plays here. I don't trust us to go up and down the field with 12, 13 play drives either. And so he's going to have to calculate that. And, and I'm with you. I kind of trust him to do that even more than Josh Allen. They did have those elongated drives against the Ravens, which is a really kind of tough game to watch. It was a 14-play field goal drive, a 10-play touchdown, another 12-play touchdown. And, I mean, we saw what the Ravens did. They basically were just going to put two safeties back there and try to take away the big play. The Bills don't have Micah Hyde. I think that matters a lot. Like, I'm not sure they can run that same system. But, yeah, I think Von Miller was the guy that was basically brought here to do what he did for the Rams and to do what the Bills did against the Rams in week one, going back to what their DNA was. And, like, they're missing that piece. Um, It would have been so valuable against this Bengals offensive line. And I guess Joe Burrow, I mean, I, I feel a little bit the same way I do about Buffalo. It's like... The Bengals' offense has been hot and cold. We see them go to sleep for halves at a time. Like the like Buffalo, they worked their way out of those jams. But this is, a, for me, I, it's a t- the toughest game to pick because I don't really trust either one of these offenses mm. compared to where I did earlier in the year. I was going to say, like, I, I was curious where you come down on this. I'll ask you, Mark, um, and then I'd love to hear from you too, Greg. Both of you, actually. I'm excited. That's kind that of how the podcast excited. works. What kind yeah. of questions coming here? Um, whose wild card performance um, concerned you more? Because neither team covered themselves with glory on wild card weekend. And, and you could say the Ravens outplayed Cincinnati, and it was one massive play that's 14-point swing. And then the Bills, we know the mistakes they made and barely getting by Miami. Uh, I think Buffalo's defense was... Uh, it kind of got lost in the shuffle as having a dominant game against a team with a third-string quarterback. But I would say Buffalo's overall performance concerned me more just because I feel like that version of the offense, if you're going to have the turnover-worthy plays, the turnovers, it's like I said, it's going to come back and sting you at some point. The Ravens and the Bengals, that's a division game. The Ravens have matched up well with, with the Bengals all season. And I just take less from it because they know each other so well. And I think the Ravens' defense uh, was a sneaky you know, higher level defense than people would notice because their offense is so unfair right. to watch. I have the same answer because of the opposition, but the difference is only one of them lost their left left tackle in that mm. game. Like yeah. the Buffalo got out of it clean. And I and I, I think to your point about the Bills defense, they have Edmonds and Milano on the field at the same time. And they have for a lot of this year, but they both were off the field at different points. And man, Edmonds was m- maybe their best defensive player last week. We know Milano's good. He's an all pro. Like the, those are two great linebackers who can help just make this Bills defense a lot more versatile in terms of stopping the run and the the short passes that that Burrow likes to have. But the the Bengals have their guy too. Your boy Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson, they're the ones who really set up that long play, and they've been great. It's a, such an even matchup. I'm and with the, you. It's and, hard to pick. And uh, Tre'Davious White, obviously coming back from the knee injury, but a lot of tape dogs out there. I took note of it. Checked out some of the the video and the cutups said that maybe that was his best game last week, mm. and maybe he's starting now to round into form and being that guy. He's a, a big-time uh, defensive back for uh, the Bills when healthy. Uh, we have another um, lock to d- discuss, by the way. Oh, wow. I feel like I know where this Let's is Let's head going. to the Midwest. Good afternoon, gentlemen. It's January 20th, and I'm at Uncle Rick's house in a T-shirt. I know what you're thinking. You're a crazy human being. There's no way it's 70 degrees in January 
in Cincinnati, but it is. I'm pretty sure it's a sign from the heavens. I've done two other recordings at Uncle Rick's house. Mo for two, both times. <laughs> both times I took the bills. I don't think I'm gonna make that mistake again. We're gonna ride the horse that got us here. Last year, the Bengals got us within one going into the Super Bowl before we fell to the mighty Dan Hansis. <laughs> this year, it's gonna be a little different. I mean, different. It's not fair. The Bengals take care of business. Lock that up. There it is. Also, keep in mind that uh, he just datelined that one day in advance of right now. So maybe he knows things that we can't even uh, know. He's, a, he's, a, he's become so savvy that I'm going to be concerned when he's elevated beyond our status to host like game day morning next season and the eagle just shoots through the heavens. And uh, yeah, Uncle Rick's where he taped that. That's where, where Chris's ashes are. Chris's favorite place on, on earth. I think that's despite the 0-2 record. He was taking the bills when he was there. I think that's a great sign for them. Yeah, let's pick the game. Um, this is a total coin flip. This is hard as it gets to pick a game. Um, and I'm just going to go with the shoot. I'll go bills. And I, it's, it, I don't feel strongly about it, but I, I just think 31, 30, something like that. A classic game that we will remember and talk about for a long time. I was shocked. This line went up to five and a half during the week. It's, Man, that should not, I think that's the offensive that. line and yeah, the but, concerns and the way they looked as a compromised unit. As I, a result, Cincinnati, I, I think there's something in this Cincinnati team's DNA that is special and that they can overcome that. I'm going to have them winning. I think they can attack a couple weaknesses with the Bills in terms of the receiver depth is and the cornerback depth. I'm not locking them up, but something I am to picking them to win. Let's okay. go Bengals. I, uh, it's just a tough one because I kind of think Buffalo's journey, they're just so built to like not look perfect but get out of these situations over and over and over. And it's like it would be sad to see them go. But I just see something like Cincinnati 37, um, Buffalo 34, and like an absolute blazing showdown. Okay. Which means it will be 10 We need this game to be a classic. <laughs> I want it. I need I would be, it. I love it. I would be obviously okay with Cincinnati winning. Uh, I'd be happy for Nick and uh, all the family and everybody uh, out there in Cincinnati at the zoo. Uh, but I just think it's the Bills' year and the Bills' time. I've kind of wavered on that, and I've said the same thing about Cincinnati too. But again, this is a tough one to pick. Uh, let's take a break, and we'll hit the last game. Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are busted. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. 
Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my game. <laughs> Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. All right, welcome back. And it's time now for the Sunday Drive presented by Toyota. And we're going to talk about the Cowboys and 49ers. It is the Sunday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff game. It's Burkhart. Here are the announcers. Burkhart Olsen, Cowboys Niners. Nance Romo, Bengals Bills. Davis Moose, Giants Eagles. Tariko Collinsworth, Jags Chiefs. So you got... Big time announcers too. See, that's this. This is what this weekend's about. We're at the that, best we're at of that the best. juncture in the season. The best of the best, except for Mark Sanchez. Well, I think Mark Sanchez will be there next year. We keep saying that, and I believe it. And you know what, Al? If you give Al Mark Sanchez, how about that? Al and Mark Sanchez. That would, yeah, that would be an interesting. Team. And I love who's that. Mark does it with uh, Amin, is it? Kugler, I think. Kugler, Kugler is excellent. Kugler, yeah, I'm taking Kugler right now. Yeah, it's over. not a Kugler that. thing. You're it's saying not it's a Al, Al needs some Mark Sanchez. But in you just life stuck him with, yeah. you know. Dungy. Yeah. Hey. Dungeon. Tony Sometimes Dungeon. Things Tony change, Dungeon. <laughs> Sometimes things change. We got, you know, there's no Tom Brady this weekend. You know, there is there is a Dak Prescott. All right. Let's get to it. <laughs> what? What are we getting? Tom Brady <laughs> in the Coogler booth. Kugler is Dak's, is Dak in this scenario. Right. Let's talk about Dak Dallas because he Tom. is the, the, the shining hope for the Dallas Cowboys against the Niners. The Niners, who, by the way, uh, to your point about Bengals Bills, like, the Bills are a bigger favorite than the Niners right now. I guess the, that's that's Vegas and the Cowboys and all the that Dallas. juice that they get. But, like, that's surprising to me because I would think the Niners, winners of 11 straight, they should be the team that everyone is locked in on right now as the best team in football. That's how I feel. And as good as the Cowboys played, Greggy, uh, last week against the Tampa Bay Bucks, this ain't the Tampa Bay Bucks. And Dak Prescott, to give this team a chance to win, almost needs to bring back that level of performance. Can he do it against San Francisco? It's a big difference. It, it is. I think he can because he's that good of a quarterback. Man, you love yourself some Dak. Mm-hmm. You are a Dak-aholic, brah. It's like Drew Lock number one, no. Gino two, Dak. I'm definitely not a Drew Lock fan. I mean, I think Dak's high level is just higher than – than he's given credit for that his high level is right there with the top quarterbacks in the league. I, like a, a graphic went around uh, on Thursday on Twitter of our network, Total Access, where they're like breaking it down. Purdy or Dak? Who's got the better, you know, different uh, attributes? And Purdy wins it three out of five that he's got better poise. Give me a break. Like Dak Prescott's wait, poise. Better, wait, who? They, they gave it to Purdy. Who's voting they on They gave them? it to accuracy to Dak. Have you watched Dak Prescott play football? You could come up with some things he's not great at, but if you give him time, he's the most accurate guy. And they gave decision-making to Purdy. It's just like, come on, It seems a little premature to have Purdy in those type of conversations. But I love that program. I I love NFL Network. I love my job. I do, too. I just disagree with this. (laughs) I also love it. Particular (laughs) 
analysis. I think he's good enough to to beat a great defense. We've seen the 49ers give up points in bunches occasionally. They did it to the Chiefs. That first half to the Seahawks, they went up and down the field. Like I think it can happen. I Greg, I feel like you're a little you've been a little down on the Niners. Uh Compared to where I am. He's not a Purdy believer. I've picked them every week as they win, and they're huge favorites, and I'm picking them this week. You are picking them. Yes. All right. Um, Brock bias. I'm just waiting to see someone slow down San Francisco for more than like a half. Like, nice job, Seattle. But then the the doors fall off because you can't hang with this team. And it's like Dallas to me. They were on pace for 500 yards before they took off against Seattle. I know. It's like it's even their their half where they struggle. They're still doing what they do. And – I think it's a huge game for like the Trevon Diggs and like Leighton Van Der Esch's of the world where like Diggs misses tackles. And it's like you now have mm. Debo Samuel and you've got Christian McCaffrey who can flip flop in the slot, flip flop in the backfield, both do the same things. Uh, they are yard after the catch monsters. And I mean, there are wide open holes created for both of them where you've got wide receivers blocking downfield. Last week, Purdy threw for 179 passing yards to wide-open receivers, which is the, the third most by any quarterback in the playoffs in the next-gen stats era. The thing about Purdy is, like, I don't know if he has how, all those traits better than the next quarterback. I don't really care. It's just he's in this perfect position where he's delivering absolute gems inside of a system that just creates these opportunities. And there, Kyle Shanahan's never had this offense. Not this way. Not with this many star players. And it's on Dallas to go essentially, everyone's talking about Dak Prescott. It's all anyone can focus on. It's like Dak can be pretty great and they can score a ton of points. But you've got to stop San Francisco from dropping 38 on you. I just, I don't love it. I think the Dallas is a really spicy challenge for the Niners, the most in a long, long time. But like until someone slows both sides of this ball down, this is the best team in the NFL in my book. Yeah, they have not lost since October 23rd and uh, they've scored in the last four weeks San Francisco 37 37 38 41 now we know the Dallas defense what it's capable of I said this last week about um, Micah Parsons and you know go kick Tom Brady's ass and and win that game single-handedly once again you're going to need your best players to kind of really make big plays. Parsons got to step up, step up. Maybe Trayvon Diggs has a huge interception or a pick six, something like that. I think the Cowboys are going to have to steal a possession or two. I think a special team score. I think it's that type of matchup. And I have respect for Dallas, but I just, I, that's the way I'm at, I'm at too. If I didn't, ha- if put it this way, if the lock competition uh, wasn't about making up ground at this point, really? San Francisco would have been my lock wow. of the week because I think they will handle their business here and do it in fashion that double-digit points fashion. That's shocking mm. yes. to me. And, you know, I could see it. None of these games, like, almost any result isn't going to totally surprise me. But I look at this Cowboys team, and I look at, let's say, EPA per play for the season. These are the best two defenses in the league over the course of the season. Dallas has been up and down, but we've seen what they can do. They have a coach in Dan Quinn uh, who knows Kyle Shanahan well. I don't know if that's good, bad, or indifferent, but they obviously know each other uh, very well from, from their time together in, in Atlanta. And he's very creative coming up with game plan-specific uh, ways to highlight his great players in Micah Parsons. And, and they have great players, Demarcus Lawrence, certainly. And they have a lot of safeties that can be versatile. I just feel like there, there could be a bad Purdy game in here. I don't expect it. Uh, and I do worry for the Cowboys that they've worked a lot harder to get here. Last week, for instance, Parsons I think played... San Francisco might disagree with that, but go ahead. I just mean that they're not 
playing much lately. In right. the last two weeks, oh, okay, gotcha. for instance, Bosa's played 45 snaps, I think, or 60 total snaps combined. They got to sit their guys, and they were, like, rotating in week 18. The Cowboys are on short rest. Parsons played more on Monday night, like 15, 20 more snaps, than any of the 49ers defensive linemen have played in the last two games combined, which is just, I think that is a factor here, it, that it the is, 49ers are rested it, and ready. I keep reading that, and like, yeah, it's, it certainly seems like a logical factor. These are human bodies we're talking about, but I don't think we really know um, the effect on Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons is a superstar. Like, I, I don't imagine because he had 20 more snaps than the Niners defensive lineman that we're going to get a worn-out, broken-down version of He's always, like, Parsons. hobbling at the end well, of the game. Well, I think he's dealt, with, he's dealt with yeah. injuries. Yeah, but yeah, he's not this 100%. Is, this isn't the Cowboys' defense that gave up under 20 uh, to start the season five weeks in a row. I mean, they gave up 40 to the Jaguars. They were lashed for 34 against the Gardner Minshew-led Eagles. Um, they flatlined against the Commanders. This is all in the last month. They played a broken-down Titans team and looked good, and then they played a broken-down Bucks team and the defense showed up. It's like I, I just, I, it's the same thing I feel about the Eagles in reverse with the Cowboys. That that Bucks team that was ready to be shipped out to sea was dominated by the best game the Cowboys have played on offense and defense in a while. So they look good, but it's like, is this really? Do we trust Dallas doing this two or three weeks in a row? The stranger I things that happen in the playoffs, it happens all the time. It feels like it actually happens almost every year. A team that you don't think of much of wild card weekend all of a sudden is playing in February. Like it certainly could happen, and I don't want to rule it out. It's just more respect that I have for San Francisco. I want to talk about a major subplot of this game. Um, it gets overlooked all the time. We talked about it a little bit on Tuesday. The Cowboys kicking situation. Mm. So um, I threw out the idea of why don't teams have backup kickers for how important the position is. Carry two kickers, have them both on the active roster. Give yourself some wiggle room. They're not doing that, but they did. They did kind of have a half measure. The Cowboys signed kicker Tristan Viscaino to the practice squad um, this week, and then they had both guys kick in practice. And Brett Maher, who of course set the NFL record by missing four extra points in their wild card win on Monday, he's kicked very well in practice. Apparently, Viscaino was meh. Um, so it certainly seems like they're rolling forward with Maher. It's just, and I saw something on Twitter, a, a nice little sideline uh, back and forth with C.D. Lamb uh, pumping up Maher, telling him not to hang his head uh, from the Monday night game. That One of the most kind of um, nerve-wracking subplots for me as a football fan will be watching that first kick uh, by Maher because uh, it could dictate the flow of the game in a lot of different dire- directions, not just his mix misses and makes, but how uh, Mike McCarthy has to roll out his offense. Yeah, I mean, watching a kicker in this situation where you have no idea what the result's going to be, um, it, it very much feels the same way the audience feels anxiety watching like a public speaker crumble at the podium. Um, that happened to us a couple years ago on a, some sort of event we went to. It's just like you're all rooting for this person to get out of this situation. Wait, uh, what is this? Well, it was a, it, well, I don't know where it was. Some some corporate thing we went to where like the speaker just oh, had a yes. bit of a meltdown. And it's like Total we, crumble. I, I remember being like a 16 year old where that happened to me one time at some stupid speech I had to give him was like. You just flatline. And it's, it's before just like, you got your degree in showmanship. Absolutely. Yeah. It was like, pre, I didn't think that yeah. degree existed back then. But now it's like, you're, I feel that way with Mara. I, I, I always think about like Bill Parcells saying, you treat certain players one way, others another. You can go at someone and it motivates them. If you go at the next guy, you break them. And like, is Maher the guy that like, 
um, thrives because you brought in someone to kick against him in practice and everyone's watching. Like, what if someone said, hey, uh, Mark, we're going to bring in another guy to do the show for you today while you stand out behind the we glass. We actually and have. See. He's do right we? outside the door. Right. Let's bring him in. Carl? No. All right. I'm just saying, you know what I mean? It's like, that would not motivate me. We I'd have be like, Mike McCarthy. We all look, too. We're like, <laughs> Wait, like, Carl's here? <laughs> Even I look. Like, that sounds great. Marv Sessler. Um, <laughs> let's hear from McCarthy at practice on Thursday about um, the idea of bringing in another kicker this week. It doesn't take anything away from, you know, our trust in Brett. I just think, you know, it's part of the, the responsibility, you know. You know, player acquisitions, a 365-day, this is not, nothing out of the norm for us. But, you know, I, I think the fact that, you know, I have a chance to watch Tristan, you know, I'm, 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 I'm you know, looking forward to seeing him work today. Um, I, I think he's a talented, talented young kicker. So, hmm. um, but, yeah, I, th- I just think when we just wanted to make sure that we're, you know, in, in position to, you know, just always adding depth to our football team. How would you know from a couple practice kicks, oh, too? Oh, Daddy, you're so extra. <laughs> right, Maher's probably fine in practice. Uh, they could keep them both active. That would be unconventional. You'd lose a special team spot. I think in this case, they could convince themselves maybe that was worth it uh, on Sunday. Otherwise, you just got them in here just to see them in practice and, you know, hope that Maher survives I think with the, the, this game, though, and it's the game previous, is, and it's why I love divisional round weekend. I think we all do. Both these teams can win the Super Bowl. And so I, I'm just trying to give the Cowboys that credit. Okay. I think there's sick. I would be surprised personally if the Jaguars or the Giants won the Super Bowl. But I feel like every other team that's playing this weekend can win the Super Bowl. And I the, agree. And the Cowboys' highest level is pretty high. Like we talk about all these 49ers guys, but it's like. I know the offensive line for the Cowboys is all shuffled around. That's a little worrisome. Tyler Smith now at left tackle, but he had played there before. Played Mc- great, though, last right. week. McGovern too. has moved all around. He was left guard, then he was fullback, he's center, now he's back at left guard. But they still have, like, a Hall of Fame right guard. That That's a talented player. Tyron Smith, talented player. I don't know if the 49ers have guys like that up front. They have Tony Pollard, who's not Christian McCaffrey, but he's pretty damn close. Per snap, he's one of the best running backs in Whoa. the NFL. C.D. Lamb... I would take over every 49ers receiver. They don't have the depth, certainly, but they have a great tight end in take Dal- him over Dalton Schultz. Yes, I would. Right okay. now, I think CeeDee Lamb is, is at that level. I hmm. love CeeDee Lamb. I'm Tony just, Pollard, about equal to CMC. I didn't say about equal. I'm saying okay. he, top three, top four, though. He's like a, in terms of what he does per snap, like he has been getting it done. He is he is a reasonable Well, Do you trust them to like lower the workload for Zeke? Because that's been, we've been talking about it for weeks. It's like, they what did are we a little at? last week, but no, not Who's enough. Who's the left tackle for the Cowboys on It's going to be. Be their rookie Tyler Smith, um, okay. who's played well at left tackle at for most of this season. He's moved around. Um, they, they've got concerns, certainly, but I just think they have a chance. They have a chance here, and they have a chance. To make All right, run. let's pick the game. I uh, I've already said what I think. So thirty six twenty four Niners to the NFC title game. I've got Niners uh, thirty five to twenty one. I have it twenty seven twenty three. 49ers, which is actually over the line now. The line has moved all down to three and a half. People are betting on the Cowboys. All that, and then you I'll just say this where nobody's underdog. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what are we even doing here? What, just what pick is, them. That, what is what our predictions? Matter? What is, well, I, if you're going to pump them up for 15 straight try, minutes gotta, and then pick against I them, I try what are we to doing? stay consistent <laughs> on all our platforms, you know, and I already, we got our picks in on but Wednesday. I think Dan's saying that's it. inconsistent. You. Maybe I could flip it, is what you're saying? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. We won't hold it against you if you're looking okay. to win your, your picks competition See, on the you, other show. You know where it is. Yeah. Just, you know, it's fine. Game day view. Check it out. It's in that, that's my uh, showman move view here. with the great Rachel Bonetta. 
She was at our show. Claybon. Patrick Claybon. Freeland. It's a great show. You know who I missed, though, at our show? And I wish was there because she, she's so great behind the glass every um, show is Parker. I wish she had, I wish she had made it. Let's oh, just... yeah. Parker's to our show. To our show, yeah. Work all season long I, behind I, the glass. I assumed she was there. Yeah. I had a seat saved for her. It was just sitting there. Oh, that vacant. was that lonely little. It's like, you know, the old t- the, the show, like the, the TV show where the kid's in his big, the, their concert and looks over and, and then d- dad's seat's empty. Yeah. I can, I mean, I normally assume that Parker was very busy doing something else not at the show. Well, we can't get everything we want in life. But we will get great football this weekend, and it's going to be uh, the best football of the season. And that was Sunday Drive presented by Toyota. Get ready for some great football, everybody, as we say goodbye. Thank you to everybody uh, for uh, listening, watching, coming to our live show. We're very lucky. Thanks for keeping us around. Until Sunday night, heed the call. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 